Welcome to episode 29 of the Rich Roll Podcast with Lisa Fallon Mindel. The Rich Roll Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. My name is Rich Roll. This is the Rich Roll Podcast. What do I do here? Uh, I talk about health. I talk about fitness. I talk about nutrition, plant-based nutrition, vegan nutrition, all different kinds of nutrition, uh, how to clean up your plate and how to move your body, how to access and actualize a better, more authentic version of yourself. That's my goal. So I've had nutritionists. I've had professional athletes. I've had doctors. I've had entrepreneurs. I've had all different kinds of people on the show, generally people who are on the cutting edge of health, fitness, and wellness. Um, A lot of paradigm-busting, open-minded people uh, who are here to uh, hopefully uh, widen your perspective. Uh, Generally people that I've had the good opportunity of meeting along this uh, journey that I've been on um, that kind of kicked into high gear last year when uh, I wrote a book that came out called Finding Ultra. Um, And it's been my sort of honor and good fortune to uh, be exposed to a lot of amazing people. And I started this podcast really as a means of being able to kind of share, share, spread the wealth around, I guess, with all this amazing information that's coming into my life. Uh, So, Hopefully, uh, you can then uh, incorporate it into your life and share it with the people around you, and we kind of have a domino effect of health and wellness and fitness uh, because we need it. Obesity rates are through the roof. Uh, Heart disease rates are insane. And uh, these sort of Western illnesses that we are succumbing to uh, need not exist uh, with simple dietary and lifestyle alterations, uh, they can be eradicated. And part of my mission and my passion is uh, to to try to help people make better choices and hopefully in turn uh, improve the quality of their life. So anyway, uh, we have a great show for you today that's completely uh, in line with what I just said. Uh, Lisa Fallon Mindel, who is a friend of my wife Julie and I, uh, we met her when we were in Kauai, uh, spending time living in the yurts at Common Ground and working at the uh, organic farm. And she splits her time between Los Angeles, uh, where she lives in Topanga Canyon, and Kauai. She's a mom. She's got a bunch of kids. She's a very, very competitive, uh, accomplished triathlete, and she is a health coach. So she works with people to uh, improve their nutrition, uh, improve their fitness, and she's She's a, she's a really neat uh, woman. She has a lot to share, and her message is quite uplifting and positive. So I was really happy to uh, have her come in and sit down. Actually, I had originally booked her uh, a couple weeks ago. She was going to come in and do the show, and she wiped out on her bike and like broke or cracked like six ribs, and she was going to come in and do the podcast anyway. I was like, listen, we can reschedule. It's okay. So she's tough as nails. She's a competitor. Uh, uh, she's also um, has some other interesting things in her life. She talks about being a mom, raising kids, trying to you know teach her kids uh, proper lessons about nutrition and, and how to eat and 
um, and how she fits her training uh, into her busy life. So we'll, we get into all of that stuff. So you can, if you're, if you don't want to buy any products, you can still support the show by using the, the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com. Just click that banner ad uh, on the right-hand margin on the blog page or the podcast page. It'll take you to Amazon, buy whatever you were going to buy already, like my paperback, which comes out uh, pretty soon, the 21st of May, uh, or, <laughs> or anything else. It won't cost you anything extra, and it throws a couple pennies in our jar. We also have a donate uh, button. If you just feel like you've gotten a lot out of the show and are feeling charitable and want to support us, you can throw a couple couple bucks our way uh, and uh, keeps us going. And we've gotten quite a few donations and I'm really uh, touched by people who would sort of reach out, um, reach into their pocket and uh, contribute to help us keep doing what we're doing. I love doing the show. I want to keep doing the show. It takes up a tremendous amount of my time. But uh, I, I'm committed to it and trying to make, make, uh, find a way to make it work so I can get uh, two podcasts up a week. Right now I'm at about one a week and I'm trying to get some infrastructure set up, hire a producer and uh, create some systems so that uh, I can do two a week and it doesn't completely disrupt my entire life because, uh, because uh, I believe in it and uh, – I think we're doing a good thing here and uh, we've gotten great feedback and I just want to keep it going. So help me out. Help me keep it going. We're brought to you today by Momentus. Over the last 16 years, I can safely say that I have tried almost every single plant-based protein out there. And I can tell you that most of them are highly processed with tons of additives and or they taste terrible, they're not third-party tested or simply just don't hit the nutritional bullseye with a legit science-supported formula with the appropriate amino acid profile that promotes optimal nutrient absorption, which is all just a long way of saying how enthusiastic I was to be introduced to Momentus's 100% plant-based protein, which solves for all of the above and then some with a precise blend of pea and rice proteins, which yields a complete amino acid profile, tastes great, and has become my go-to to ensure my body is supplied with energy for proper recovery and function. Momentous products are simply the best in the industry, which is why they're used by over 90% of NFL teams, by Olympians, Tour de France champs, and world-class athletes across every sport. With all the BS in the supplement world, I trust Momentus's industry-leading quality standards and quality. Try Momentus for yourself by going to livemomentus.com slash richroll for 20% off plant-based protein and all of their top-of-the-line products. That's L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S.com slash richroll for 20% off. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel, but what you wear isn't just clothes. It is without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics and just this 
heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking Ons high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team from increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by a very exciting brand new sponsor, Go Brewing. I am sober. I don't drink. And I devoted so many episodes of this podcast to the unreal benefits of an alcohol-free lifestyle. Why? Because even if you don't have issues with booze and suds, no amount of alcohol is good for you. At a minimum, it wreaks havoc on your sleep and produces a hangover that destroys your energy, your mood, and your focus. At worst, it turns your whole life upside down. But no longer does that mean you have to break up with your favorite brew because my pals at Go Brewing are making all your favorite brews, minus the alcohol, fewer calories, and more productive tomorrows. It's not every day that I get the privilege to witness the inception of a company collaborating with our podcast, but that's exactly what happened with Go Brewing. I'm gonna tell you this story. A few years back, I spoke at this event in Illinois, fittingly named Go, and it turns out that that very day catalyzed Joe, the founder, to start his own NA beer company, Go Brewing. I had no idea about any of this until I bumped into Joe at Jesse Itzler's Running Man event the other month in Georgia, and he shared this story with me. I savored his fare in all its varieties and deeply moved by the mission and what he shared with me and just impressed with the insane taste and quality of his alcohol-free concoctions, I wanted to help share the discovery. Made with natural ingredients faithful to traditional beer styles, Go Brewing has an impressive lineup of delicious, small-batch, craft, alcohol-free brews, all without added sugar or artificial processing. My favorite is their double IPA, not just another story, but basically you just really can't go wrong because everything they make is brewed to perfection, worthy of trying yourself, which you can now do at gobrewing.com. That's gobrewing.com and use the code richroll for 15% off your first purchase. All right, so that's it for all of that stuff. Let's just get into the show, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy Lisa Fallon Mendel. Hard not to be so hard on myself, and I'm trying to learn to keep my mama mind in check. I listen to my friends when they say it's destiny, it's meant to be this way. I found their right, and now I see that all this time and I had the key. So now I'm on a roll, I got nothing but luck. With a swing of my step as I struck on the block, I see the boss stare and I see the boss stare and I see the boss stare and Back. Julie Pyatt's back on the podcast. It's been a while. It's she, been a while. She quit the show, but <laughs> she had to be talked back into joining us. I'm happy to be back. Yeah. It's Where'd nice you... to see you, Rich <laughs> Where did you go? Been away. 
Yeah. Working on some stuff, seeing some people. So I had to, like, like I said before, I had to schedule a podcast so that we could have a conversation face to face. It's great to just get deep and real with each other on the. No, it's funny. We had a conversation earlier. We had a we had a conference call, and I was somewhere, and you were somewhere else. But we were both on the call, and it was one of those things where you have to dial the 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 special number and put Mm -hmm. the pin number in, and you were like. We need one of these for our marriage That's so right. we can set up a conference line for Call us. in. <laughs> Call in and get real. It's yeah. time to focus. I know. It's kind of nice, actually. felt like you were in some faraway place. You like it that way. <laughs> no. But there's some distance there. I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> it just felt, and what are you new and, it felt new and different. Really? Let me put it that way. But anyway, I'm I'm psyched to be on with the lovely Lisa Fallon. Yeah, hey so, Lisa, how you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming over here. We had some scheduling stuff, but I'm glad we finally yeah we corralled you into coming over here. Yeah, it's fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to be. It's good to have you. And um, we've got lots of sort of points of intersection and interest. Kauai. We do. The Santa Monica Mountains. Mm-hmm. Triathlon, mm-hmm. swimming, biking. Nutrition. Wellness, nutrition. Plant. Raising kids. Plants. Eating plants. Like, where, mm-hmm. do, where do we start? I don't know. A lot, lots to we talk just, about. We could just talk about something else completely. <laughs> like, you know, like, Let's do a where do you ball. take your car to get fixed? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was really, uh, really amazing because uh, Lisa and I met just for about a 20-minute coffee on Kauai on the North Shore through a mutual friend, Rebecca, Right. Actually, yeah, and uh, she's the uh, amazing crew captain for Epic Five and a good Rebecca friend. is, yeah, Rebecca is, yeah. yeah, Rebecca Morgan. Anyway, so she was telling me you got to meet Lisa, and Lisa, Lisa kept coming up. So anyway, we met for just a quick co- coffee, and then uh, we ran into you later that day down on the other side of the island. Right. And then I get back to LA, and you're like my best friend. <laughs> I know. I was hearing about you guys for a long time. Yeah. Hearing about Rich. Well, Lisa and I were Facebook friends, but we weren't face to face friends. Right. Right. Yeah. I have friends that knew you and mentioned your name, and then right. I met you, and you said, "Oh, we've heard of your name," and it's just so we funny. never connected after yeah, all this and then time. Rich yeah. was like, "Oh, that's so hilarious that you're one of your good friends is a triathlon." Yeah. I know. <laughs> Julie's An like athlete. Julie's like maybe I'll get a bike and maybe start I'll doing start this. Biking. I start <laughs> I start laughing uncontrollably. Never no, started like, oh, screaming. I don't, like, don't that do happening. that. No. <laughs> not don't do that. That's just not going to happen. I can't imagine that. I, I can't foresee that. Oh, you but never know. Never say well, never, never say never. Out. Never count you out. I right? have an, I'm just entering a new seven and a half year cycle in my go. in my astrology. <laughs> all right. So there's a new identity coming. <clears throat> Well, you have all the equipment here, so that's good. Well, exactly. <laughs> I know. I could just stuff some stuff in the toes of his thousand pairs of shoes. Yeah. No. <laughs> what do you What do you mean? Stuff what in my shoes? No, stuff it in your shoes so your shoe fits me. Oh, I see. Yeah. All right. That's what I meant. That's a bad joke. <laughs> all right. Let the let the listeners decide. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so Lisa, I want to get into, um, your story and your kind of journey to, uh, to, to wellness. Um, we all have our like personal story that we have, like kind of, um, you know, the narrative that kind of drives our passion for, for being fit and for, you know, whether it's pursuing triathlon or nutrition and in your case, you know, counseling and, and helping people as a, as a health coach and practitioner. So, you know, what, what do you think? 
sort of led you to this path? I mean, what is it about, you know, this world that, that uh, magnetized you, I guess? Mm. Um, well, I, you know, I remember since I've been about 13, um, sleeping with the nutrition almanac next to my bed. I thought you were going to say sleeping with the no nutritionist. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not the nutritionist. But I've always, you know, been into sports, you know, from a very young age. And I've been into nutrition pretty much. I mean, my mom worked a lot and my dad. So, you know, I grew up with some turkey TV dinners. Um, mm. They weren't the best educated in nutrition and health per se. But I think I had a strong constitution. So, you know, I was an athlete from a very young age. What, what did you um, play when you were young? Well, I swam, um, you know, the swim team and competed. Um, I was in track and field, but it was all real short, short distance, nothing mm-hmm. really long. Um, and did you grow up in Southern California? No, born in New York. Okay. And then moved to Florida just a couple of years and then went to Europe mm-hmm. and then back to New York. Where in um, Europe? I lived in Paris, in Milan. Mm-hmm. But was it that was part of that? that did your whole family move there, no, or that, that was that's part another of the modeling thing? So I want to get in. Yeah, we'll get into the modeling thing in a minute, but we're not there yet. We'll talk about sleeping so. with the nutritionist yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so, amazing. Yeah, 13. sleeping with the yeah. nutritionist almanac. Why not? That's hey, crazy. You know. So I mean, my side reading would be about health, nutrition, and you know, it's kind of a funny age, you know, where not many kids were doing that. So right. that was a bit on the side. And then my first job was, uh, you know, giving exercise classes to um, all different kinds of women in all different ages at health clubs, and you know, taking their measurements and selling programs. And I was like 15 then. Oh, wow. So I've been my whole life, you know, I thought back driving here, you know, I thought back thinking, God, you know, most of my life has been revolving around this. You know, Mm -hmm. I think you go in and out of your life with your interest and you look back like you're doing something you love or you're doing something you love. And you think back when you're really young, kind of, wow, you know, it's been a long time. I always did like this. And so Mm -hmm. finally... I'm coming to full circle of what I what I love. I love being athletic, so I'm competing in triathlons. I love health and nutrition. I always toyed with, you know, becoming a doctor, mm-hmm. which, you know, I just don't think I had the academic chutzpah to go do that. But it's interesting what I've become because I'm not, I don't go the route usually doctors take. I mean, I do respect them and I work with them with mm-hmm. clients of mine. But I, I look at everything of health and nutrition in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting how now I've come to really hone in yeah. know, my passion. But it sounds like you've always been doing it. I mean, was this something your parents were interested in? Or is no. it, you just came out, you're just hardwired for yeah. it from the beginning? Yeah, uh-huh. it's just That's who cool. I am, I think. Right. And now you're going to tell me the story about how your your friend dragged you to some casting situation or something like that, or you were discovered yeah, at the yeah. local just, supermarket. She was only and then the, you were on the next flight. The, the next flight to Milan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, the story's always like, well, it, my friend you know, told me I should do this or something like that. Yeah, well, that's like, what happened with triathlon. That's yeah. the next story. Yeah. Um, well, the modeling story. Hmm. Okay. Um, well, born in New York. And then about 15 years old, we moved to Florida for a few years. Well, I was only there a few years. My family's still there. And for a summer job, I would um, work at this hotel and help serve drinks and work at the, um, you know, the event events that they had. And there was a man there from Paris who came on business trips. And um, he would you know, take a liking to me, but I was very young. And he was 
way too old for me. Mm -hmm. My mom sussed that out right away. But, you know, nevertheless, we were talking and um, he said, you know, you and your sister-in-law should come to Paris, you know, you know, the whole talk. Well, we sussed it all out. I ended up going (laughs) to Paris with my sister-in-law and um, wanting to spend, I think it was like a three-week trip, ended up me living there. And I got introduced to an agency and the three-week trip ended up becoming a 30-year career. So, um, yeah, it worked worked out but well. when you were there you had so your you had your family there at the same time or you were there like at a young age living Paris? by yourself yeah yeah i was but well, i went with my sister-in-law by myself uh-huh. just for like three weeks so and how saved old our money i was i just turned 19 18 right and so you um, weren't like 15 or something no like that, right no. so um you know yeah i was old enough but you know i'd never been out of the country mm-hmm um, so it was a whole new deal for me. Right, and, right. Alone and you didn't speak French? French? No. So no. did you just learn by immersion? Yeah. That's what, it was the immersion that's the course. <laughs> that's the best course. That's the best So, yeah, and, so it was amazing. Um, right. But that cult, that's a very different culture from the kind of healthy triathlon Southern California culture, oh, right? right? It's like this, you know, sort of... Smoking. I mean, yeah, a lot of smoking, a lot of partying late night, espresso. you know, binging right. espresso and like, <laughs> you know, striking and, a waif-like pose. And, right. I mean, what was that, what was that like? <laughs> I mean, you know, did you, did you fall into a different lifestyle during that period of time or how did you navigate yeah, you that? Know, like, what I, was that? You know, I wasn't, let's just say I wasn't doing any track and field at the time right. because it, my life just totally turned around. It wasn't what I was expecting. I didn't go there to think, you know, wow, I'm going to become a model. I really went mm. there over the summer not even over the summer, for three weeks with like $300. That was it. Right. Um, and then getting a couple of huge jobs and having to make the decision um, to stay, to leave college, um, calling my roommate up saying, yeah, I'm in Paris, I'm not coming back. Um, my parents thought they'd see me in three weeks, didn't see me for six months. Mm-hmm. They saw me with long blonde hair leaving. I came back short cropped beret on my head, walked right past my mom in the airport in December. She didn't recognize me. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it was just a new life and new uh-huh. lifestyle. And it was great. It, it worked well at the time. Um, I think the the business is very different now. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I did it when I did. In, mm. in what way is it different? Um, just the way it is. I mean, you know, even now I do some jobs, but it's it's... You know, you don't go and meet the people booking the job anymore. It's all online. It's all, um, you know, they see tapes and video. They want to see you yesterday. You got to express the, you know, the photos over. Um, You don't get to meet. You don't get to connect. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, that was part of how I worked, too. You know, I did, um, I was dancing. I did stage work a lot when I was younger and acting and, commercials and so when i work i i kind of i get into what i do as a you know mm-hmm. person and i deal with the people and i like to talk and um create some sort of energy right and it's it's, it's pretty impersonal now mm-hmm. the business and right. um at so the time not- I, w- I was working it was there was a lot of money as well i mean they would fly me to paris for one day from new uh-huh. york no problem um now it's you know uh we're hiring someone local Pretty much. I mean, unless you're at the top five right now, you know, then yeah. that's mm-hmm. fine. Um, but they're pretty, it's a bit different business. And you so, were able to, you were able to kind of like coexist in that culture without sort of, you know, 
suddenly smoking two packs of Marlboro Reds a day and going to after hours parties until five in the morning. Yeah, I mean, I would have killed me. I'm telling you, like I'd be dead. If yeah. I, you know, it, it was I would okay. not have survived it. You know, I had a few drinks here and yeah. there. Um, but you know, I think for me, I think while I, it lasted so long as that I looked at it as a business, I was mm-hmm. always on time, always showed up. I wasn't hungover. Um, because you know, when you worked, I mean, I worked, um, I was pretty successful. I worked every day. I spoke to my booker more than I did my mother. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's every day. And if you have a job that next day, if they didn't take you, you had three other jobs lined up behind Those are the days where there was a lot of work. If you were a good model and you were good at what you did, you worked all the time and that's Mm -hmm. how it was. So if Mm -hmm. you wanted to stay on your game, just like an athlete, you know, you want to put in the time and you want to be. You know, you put the time in to yeah. train and you want to be professional. And you know, I guess in any business, um, you'll be there for the longer run. So right. I worked right. for a long time. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so and when so when did you end up in Los Angeles? Um, hmm. no, and uh, got married in 92 and then moved here permanently after 92. Uh-huh. But I was in... Um, New York, and then Paris, um, back in New York, um, and then um, back and forth to L.A., New York, and then came here permanently in 92. Right. And then and, and living here, and then now you kind of go back and forth between here and, and Kauai. Yeah, and then went yeah, to Kauai for four and a half, five years, right. and now about eight months ago moved Right. Back. I mean, you were basically living there pretty much full time. Yeah. 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 So were you completely ready for that change after having lived in Paris and New York for most of your life, to go to be to, on Kauai? Um, well, we moved here, lived in um, L.A., in Topanga for years. We were going to have the five-year plan, but turned into four kids in 17 years. Mm-hmm. And um, then we felt like we needed a change with the kids. And it was just kind of getting a little too much here, and our kids were still young. Uh, and the business that my husband does, he's a cinematographer. He travels a lot. So we thought, well, let's... Try. We thought of some places to try. We thought New Zealand. Um, that was a little bit too far. Then Kauai was on the list, and we thought let's right. let's check that out. Um, and so we decided to do that for a while. Right. Very cool. And for the listeners out there, she just sort of slipped in that her husband's a cinematographer, and you might be picturing just some guy who's lugging a camera around, but probably <laughs> not. This guy is he, the. He did I'm that not. years ago. He, yeah, he's the uh, cinematographer currently. He's he's the DP on on Spider Man, correct? Mm-hmm. And rumor has it that uh, he's been offered uh, the the next Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Yeah, maybe <laughs> we, we might a little bird might have said that. Who knows? I don't know. So yeah, he's, anyway, he's, this he's, is a guy who knows his way around a camera. I guess yeah, is what I'm he's trying to uh, say. very talented to yeah, say the least. I would he's imagine worked in the business many years. He mm-hmm. slept the bags. He swept the floor and right. He worked mm-hmm. him way, his way, way up, yeah. yeah, which is great. He showed up on time for his he game, did, right? <laughs> and he shot, did he shoot the Star Trek movie that's about yeah. to come out? Yeah, yeah. Star right. Trek. That's um, awesome. We can't yeah. wait to see it. He's a good guy. Right. That's great. Very cool. So um, so you're you're living this Hawaiian lifestyle and this Southern California lifestyle. I mean, when does triathlon kind of creep into the picture? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I was uh, kind of doing some sort of, class or whatever at the gym in Kauai when it was a gym up in Princeville when they had the gym there. Right. And I knew some people and uh, one of my girlfriends came up to me and said, you know, you should try triathlon. I'm doing this sprint triathlon and 
I'm like, you are? I really didn't have too much of an idea about, about what it was. Um, but I remember taking these classes. You know, I trained and did other things before, but it had been a while, so I was taking these kind of exercise classes, and the women are sweating and taking their pulse, and I'm trying to find my pulse, and I'm just like, this isn't doing it. And just I just felt like I just needed to up the ante, you know, just mm-hmm. at that time. And so I said, okay, and she kind of explained to me the, the length of it. And, you know, I was a short-distance sprinter, you know, so to run three and four and six and ten miles, I was like, are you kidding? There's no way. So I remember getting on the treadmill, looking outside the window at the golf course in Princeville and just running, and I'm like, okay, Two miles, wow, you know. And I just started. I remember the first day I hit four miles without stopping. You know, mm-hmm. you know all these like little milestones. You know? Right. Um, and then I got a bike, and the guys on choir awesome. You know, they're really supportive. I got my first bike, started swimming with the Masters down Lahui. I drove 30-something minutes every Yeah, it's a long drive. Yeah, from the North Shore. And I just kind of threw my energy into, you know, up in the ante with the training and that's it, and haven't right. stopped. It, got its, it's, it definitely has its claws in you. You're yeah, like, you, know, you know, it's a little bit addicting. Yeah, <laughs> a little, a little you and bit. you and I know. No, I, yeah, I speak that <laughs> for language. some not. For some, there are that do it that are okay. And but. you've done amazing. You've have amazing results. You're incredibly fit. You know, beautiful woman, incredibly fit and passionate about you know you're working out and you're racing and you're training and um, it's awesome. It's cool. I love yeah. seeing it. And and I think what you know, is interesting for the listeners out there is how you, you know, as, as a mother with, you know, several children and responsibilities and, you know, sort of a, you know, a life that a lot of people can relate to just a lot of responsibilities. How do you make it fit? Like, how do you find the time? How do you balance everything else in your life to make sure that you're attending the, you know, everybody appropriately, I guess, <laughs> and, and pursue this? Cause a lot of people are just like, well, I don't have time, you know, good for you, but there's no way I could ever do that. Well, you know, it's a lot of balls to juggle. And I think if um, you really want to do something, you can do it. You know, it's like getting that bike out and getting mm-hmm. it ready. Or, um, you know, I, I said as women, too, we, we tend to multitask really well. And mm-hmm. I think I find myself like it's kind of challenging for me to see. I always have to pull back a little and say, okay, you don't want to juggle 4,000 bowls. You just can't do everything well with so many. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I'm just passionate about the things I choose, so I really want to do it. You know, right. um, So I'm up a little later organizing my stuff for the next day. I think ahead. I mean, it's like with the, the clients I work with and then them talking about their food, of how to organize their food for the next day or how to think ahead or how to shop. It's kind of like that. You know, If you think right. ahead, you plan accordingly – um, you you know you get a schedule. I mean, there's a lot of people who aren't like that. It's really hard for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they take on a little less. Um, I I tend to multitask really well. You know? I'm a terrible multitasker, Julie. You're a multi, you you multitask pretty well. I, I I'm pretty I, good. At I can it. only do one thing at a time. Anytime I try to do anything, it's the man thing. I just it's can't. Thing. It's a hunter gatherer. falls we apart. Have we have to. We have to. Well, Julie will yeah. be like, "What exactly. do you have to do today?" And I'll list like five or six things that I have to accomplish, and she'll be like, "What's a big deal?" And I'm like, <laughs> "If I get one of these things done today, I'll be lucky." You know, <laughs> it's just a different style. But so, what are the ages of your children? Lisa? Um, 11, 13, 16, and 19. Three mm. girls and a boy. Right, mm. that's right. 
So you still got, you know, Sam's still 11. Yeah. 11. So, mm -hmm. so that's cool. So how do you, um, how is nutrition in your household? Like how does, how do you guys approach it? Are you guys all vegan? Are you all plant-based? No, we've got a mixture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mixture. Um, I'm vegan, which works for me. Mm -hmm. Um, my daughter who's 16 is vegan. She's been like that maybe a couple years now. Um, I have my 13 and my 11 year old, um, like meat, you mm -hmm. know, um, my son loves it when he sees a piece of red meat. <laughs> He's like, it's like yeah! all excited. <laughs> Yeehaw! Um, and then my 19 year old, she, um, eats some meat. She's not like super passionate about it, but she doesn't like, she'll eat chicken. You know, she did, you know, she's fine. She doesn't make an effort either way. Um, so usually at my dinner table, you can be anything and right. be okay. Mm -hmm. There's always enough for all kinds of palates. You know, I don't force anything on my kids. I think they learn by experience. Right. Um, just like your kids, you know, they're blending green smoothies and green drinks. I mean, mm -hmm. green stuff in my house is normal. Usually I have green in my teeth, so I look right. before I came here. <laughs> exactly. It's usually green. I'm like, I always say, as long as it's green, it's okay. It's just a podcast, so you right. can't tell. Right. At least no, it's not tell. Doritos or something. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. um, so as far as parents your kids and kind of what you try to teach them nutrition wise it's kind of you just I mean I, I gather you're sort of just leading by example and trying to kind of set a tone but you're not creating any rigorous rules or no I mean they know certain things will be in the house and certain things won't you mm -hmm. know there's just certain things I'm not having in the house you know there's no soda there's no coke there's no you know fast food kind of stuff and has it always been that way yeah uh huh. So they just grew up that. Yeah, they grew up that way. They grew up that way, you know. And as they get older, they have their own choices. So you know, they're going to go and they're going to go to parties or you know school, and they're, you know, they're not going to be perfect or you know they will make the wrong choices on purpose and be like, mm -hmm. yeah, right. yeah Sprite or something, <laughs> right. you know. And you know that's okay. Um, but you know it's interesting as they get older, they start. You hear them talking to their peers, you know, my 16 year old, their her friends are like, wow, you eat so healthy. And, and what does that do? And, and then you hear her talk about it. And I think that's awesome because what I try to teach too, is kind of what's called the ripple effect. You know, what we're doing and teaching and inspiring to our kids, it's going on to others or it's going on to my client's families or their kids or, mm -hmm. and I think that's also with you, what you're doing, what, what we like to do, what is important to us. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is pretty cool when, when the older kids start to make the healthy choice mm -hmm. uh, consciously and purposely, as opposed to, well, that's just what, what's in the fridge or that's yeah. what mom made or, or what have you. I mean, I say this all the time, but like, you know, the first time I saw Tyler kind of come down the staircase and half asleep and just go right to the Vitamix and start putting kale in it with his hair in his face, like he's not even awake yet and he's making his morning, you know, blend like not because anybody said you have to have this or this is what we eat here. Just that's what he was choosing to do. Right. He could have made oatmeal. He could have made pancakes. He could have done whatever, but you know, he opted for that. Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. amazing. You yeah, know? One or my two, two of my kids, same thing. I mean, but yet my son who's 11 will say, mom, is that vegan? You know, he's the V word is right. really like, I'm like, yeah, a pear is always vegan. <laughs> you know, right. it's like he just has this vegan thing, you know. Well, once you create a label, then there's something to oppose. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. you can create an opposition to something that is, right? So even Mathis, our nine-year-old, she'll adamantly say, I am not vegan. Yeah. Even though she pretty much eats 
a vegan diet exactly. 99% of the time. Yeah, she doesn't, she, doesn't, she doesn't want to yeah. be called that. She doesn't right. want to be labeled that. She doesn't want to be pigeonholed into something because she wants to define herself the way that have she the freedom, wants. Right. She doesn't want somebody else to say you're this or that, yeah. you know? And I think when you kind of, um, you know, omit those labels or just don't use them, right. and, you know, then there's, you're not creating anything to, you're not creating anything to set up a contrast to right. or to rebel against or to have an issue with. Uh-huh. And it yeah. just becomes her, old, her own process. And I mean, right. I do, I'm seeing waves too. It's always waves of, re, of refinement with the diet. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we definitely as a family, as the months go on, it, it's getting upgraded. It's getting cleaner and more, more plant-based, more sprouted, more fermented, more, there's, it's really, really increasing. And I see in Mathis is probably the toughest eater. I mean, the right. pickiest eater, but even within her, there are certain things that she wouldn't eat prior to us going to Kauai that now she will. So it's cool. To well, see they it. say, you know, you, you keep exposing them. It takes about three weeks or so. You keep mm-hmm. exposing, you know, um, I, I tell people constantly, please try not to give your kid kid food. I mean, there's so many families that will make their dinner, which would be a pretty good dinner. And then the kids get, you know, hot dogs, macaroni, macaroni cheese. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's and a really it's good like, point. Just from the birth of our first child, I mean, we always put everything out there. It was always proper, healthy food. It wasn't quote-unquote kid food. It wasn't white food. It was just healthy food. So exactly. all my kids sat at the table. We still do. We sit at the table there's always vegetables, there's always uh, soups, there's always, as I said, anyone can mm-hmm. come over and be fine. Right. And they have a choice. And even if they don't like it at a certain point, you'll find they'll start trying it. And their yes. tastes change. And mm-hmm. they'll experiment. And mm-hmm. um, like with your... You know. And they'll say, you know, oh, I used to hate tomatoes mm-hmm. like six months ago. And now I love tomatoes. Yeah, now they you walk just, around with them in their hands right. eating them like an apple. Right, but you just got to keep putting... Right. That's the one thing Mathis is, she's, she eats raw tomatoes mm-hmm. all the time. But yeah. Yeah, you just got to keep putting it out there, and that is a re- that's a really uh, really important point. Mm-hmm. But not to make kid food and right. not to start shifting the way that you mm-hmm. eat. You just eat as a family, and also I think your body craves certain things too. Like mm-hmm. for instance, she's eating whole tomatoes. You know, there's a reason. There's right. a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe she mm-hmm. needs a boost of something, or you know, as I said, that as long as you give them a um, a variety, as exactly. Well. Right. Well, and also with dates, like she, she was like, I, dates, I hate dates. Like that was about a year ago. And now she loves dates <laughs> and it's, you know, mostly everything in our house is sweetened with dates. Right. So, um, that's amazing. That's yeah. really cool. And how do they, how do they navigate like school lunch? That's a little tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, I must say when school's over, that's the one thing I really am happy that I don't have to deal with the lunch thing because it is hard because they all kind really of have hard. their own, you know, their own likes and dislikes. I mean, right. dinner's easier because I can put it all out or, you know, when we're on the weekend. Sure. Um, and I can buy it all and it's it's all there. I can prep it. But also like even soup, you know, just carrying some of the stuff or um, a lot of times like my son, he's so busy. Sometimes the lunch comes back. And so mm. I say, you have so, to eat, right, you know, exactly. and well, I left my lunchbox here that, you know, um, mm. so I try to try to explain to them in their terms too, you know, like with, with people, you need to eat a little bit in the day. So in the morning I try to blend up smoothies, give mm-hmm. them something healthy and there's fruit and, and then a snack. 
And then, um, yeah, lunch is challenging. Right. So do they, I mean, <laughs> will they eat at the cafeteria at school and, you know, eat the... Um, it depends on which kid and which school. Right, right. <laughs> We're all right. over the place. Well, I'm just, I'm just interested because, you know, just in general, school lunch is a, such an unmitigated disaster right. and um, it's a huge problem. You know, yeah. it's like that's where kids are sort of forming their habits that will last the rest of their lives and... You know, as you know, dealing with clients and like friends of mine and people that I know that are, you know, now well into their 40s and getting into their 50s who are trying to like overcome these habits that they've had their entire life. And school lunch, I think the school cafeteria is like this, you know, proving ground where a lot of those habits get cemented. And the food that we're feeding the kids is just absolutely horrific by and large. And if you you count up the hours that most kids are at school, it's a good portion of their lifetime. So those meals well, yeah. add up, like well, and it's, aggregate. It, it's, it's highly socially charged, too. Mm-hmm. Like what you decide you're going to eat, you know, when you're in high school or junior high school and you sit down at that table with those other kids, like you're being judged. And, you know, it's a very emotionally, there's a, there's a you know, it's, it's heavy emotionally, too. Mm-hmm. So it's not just an issue of like eat healthy or what makes your body feel good. Like what is this, this social strata that you're trying to penetrate or be a part of? plays into it as well. And yeah, that always does. But as I said, I think as long as they're brought up with that base, right. like you said, you know, we, we have it on the table and what you're serving and they may boycott it. They'll go out and do a sugar binge all weekend, stay up late with their girlfriends at a sleepover or whatever. And, you know, I remember my daughter coming back. She went away for two days on a school thing and they stayed with the host family somewhere, you know, not in LA, somewhere else. And, um, you know, the woman made grilled cheese and, you know, they had a family that wasn't, you know, but like not good food, very right. quick, very fast food. And so she didn't say anything. She kind of sat there and being vegan, it was very difficult. But um, she came home and she says, I haven't had anything green for two days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Make me a salad, you know. Um, so, I mean, you know, or as you said, you know, they'll go to a party and they'll they'll binge out on sugar and, you know, then the teenage girls will be, my face is breaking out. Right. Or, I got I sick. Feel, or, yeah, or they I'm get sick. sick. Yeah. Right. I mm-hmm. guarantee it. Every mm-hmm. time after Halloween, mm-hmm. never fails. Right. Absolutely. And, and around the holidays, them, too. Tell them every, right? every year, mm-hmm. sugar. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, and now math is actually just even even uh, recently last week she she actually got her first cold. She had never had a cold before. Wow. She's nine. Wow. Um, and she kept telling me she said, "Mom, my nose. I didn't realize my nose was so large because she was trying to get all the mucus out, and it kept coming. <laughs> she didn't realize it was real making to make it in again. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so then she came to me, you know, because I told her sugar." will make you sick. So then, you know, she would ask me, you know, could, can, can I have a date or can I have this or tell me what I can eat? And so, you know, that's really amazing. And also my boys, you know, they start, if they ever start to get a little sniffly, you know, they go right to water and apple cider vinegar, like immediately. Mm -hmm. And that for us is just, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. For most people, um, maybe a number who are listening now, they, they, um, you know, probably, I'm wondering what we're talking about because there are, there's a lot of people who don't, who don't right. know about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, so tell them. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so many um, alternative ways to have things sweetened and um, you know to, to cook with, and and that's what I love doing. I like sharing and exposing the people I talk to, come in contact with, work with about recipes and just um, just education about themselves, about their proteins, about carbohydrates, about how it works in their body what kind, you know, 
I had a client today email me, give me a list of complex carbohydrates, please, to eat, you know, because mm-hmm. um, a lot of people are really motivated and they want to be healthy. Um, mm-hmm. They just need the support. They need the, the little bit of education, um, the knowledge, what to do, how to do it. And, and there's so uh, many conflicting messages out there. Yeah. I mean, if you try to take that on yourself and just go online, you'll, you'll find five different answers to yeah. the, the same thing. So it's really easy to get frustrated and mm-hmm. disoriented and then just throw your hands up in the air and say, well, forget it. We're brought to you today by Birch. If you're serious about optimizing your sleep, listen up. I've spent countless hours researching and testing various methods to improve my nightly shut-eye, and I can confidently say that it all starts with a good foundation. And if your bed is old, if it's uncomfortable, lumpy, then your sleep inevitably is going to be impacted. So it's important to invest in a quality mattress, one that's insanely comfortable, that's organic, sustainably made, and that, my friends, is a birch mattress. Fair trade and Rainforest Alliance certified with the finest quality organic natural materials like organic fair trade cotton. Birch mattresses are made with none of the toxic chemicals and off-gassing produced by most major brands. Kind of important not to be breathing that for a third of your life, I'd say. Plus, it's super luxurious. I've been sleeping on birch for about five years. And I'd say it's the perfect ratio of soft to supportive And the craftsmanship is just next level. I've got one in every room of my house. I love it. Pretty sure you will too. And right now, Birch is giving 20% off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com slash richroll. That's 20% off and two free EcoRest pillows. Sleep better with Birch. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care especially because, unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support, and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you, I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life in recovery is wonderful and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice, 
and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation, a groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most, mental health, sex, politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. I mean, with the people that you work with or that, that come to you, I mean, what are some of the, the big kind of common challenges that, that you see that maybe you can, you know, give a little bit of sort of, um, you know, guidance to people that are listening? Well, you know, there? I work with um, a number of different kinds, you know, of, of people, age groups. Um, some have medical issues, um, you know, and, and everybody's different. You know, each person I deal with, I say that you're an individual. So what, I mean, there's certain things across the board, you know, as we understand about proteins or as you say, carbs, fats, um, good fats. But, um, you know, what works for you is not necessarily going to work for me, you mm-hmm. know, like me or you and I being vegan, you know, for some people, you know, they may not find that works for them. I, I you know, I can't say, um, I just don't, you know, coach people who are vegan. Right. Um, but what we do is we try to see what works and how to up their health, you know, in a better way, how to bring more plant foods in there. Um, and then, um, interestingly enough, you know, as we all know, they start feeling better. Um, their energy comes back, their weight drops off, or their health problems start to alleviate. So, right. um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a good feeling to help out. Of course, there's nothing better. Yeah. But if somebody comes to you and they're they're out of shape, they're overweight, um, and they're just looking for you know like how do I how do I start? I mean, where is the like what's the first thing that you do? Like, do you get their blood work done? Do well, you we, like uh, first, talk to them about what they're eating or like how does it work? Well, I first give them my um, usually we go like do a quick health history form. Um, just to kind of get a basis of where they're at, what their goals are, their past. You know, I do ask, what did you eat when you were a kid? Mm-hmm. You know, what are you eating now? Um, what's your ancestry like? How has a healthier parents? Um, what do you do? What's your activity level? How do you eat now? What are you? What are your goals? Um, how are you feeling? All these little questions, and we kind of talk about that. You know, I also go into, as I said, they're. Um, their life when they were younger. You know, as you said, you form all these patterns. Right. Um, and also, you know, as you said before, too, emotionally, things are very emotional. Food is very emotional for a lot of people. Stress triggers a lot of cravings, um, hormonal imbalances. Um, so we talk about a whole lot of things, mm-hmm. you know. But as I said, I, I kind of go step by step. You can't throw everything at somebody in the first week or the first month of working right. with them. So, I mean, sometimes I work with people over months, and um, what's really interesting is that the more we start in the beginning with their diet, for instance, like bringing some greens, right? The first thing I do is three times a day, bring in something green, drink some more water. You know, mm-hmm. let's talk, you know, we'll talk again in a week or some people I speak to more often than that. Um, and then in a couple of weeks, we, we talk about some proteins and we try to move that around a little bit. And then within a, a month or two, we start, you know, working on all these little aspects of their diet and their health. And what I find is the cleaner they get internally and with their nutrition, their brain fog starts to lift. 
Mm-hmm. And then they start getting into the emotions after a couple months. And then they start looking into, you know, God, you know, I'm, I'm really edgy all the time. And I think I know why, or <laughs> right. I know what's causing. I, I really, you know, and it's really great because it takes layers upon layers to kind of get through. Oh, yeah. And I mean, um, when you're, you know, hitting yourself with sugar, coffee, you know, toxic food, there's no way you can get you know, deep, you know, so you can't cause you're medicating your yeah. emotions. And I think that's, it's such, it, it's, it is the like, you know, diamond nugget in this whole thing. It's, it's the elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about because there are all these diet books out there and yeah. it doesn't even matter. Like pick your poison, like paleo, vegan, whatever it is. I don't care. You can find a roadmap to eating better than you currently are. And, you know, a lot of it is, it's not rocket science. It's like, you know, eat whole foods, don't eat processed foods. Like, you know, don't eat a bunch of sugar. You know, a lot of it is so basic and and, and, and knows everybody it. knows right. this. And yet, and, and everybody, you know, and we have this obesity epidemic, we have all mm-hmm. these health problems and all that kind of stuff. And everybody kind of has that common sense awareness, but they don't do it. So like, what, where are we missing? Like, what is going wrong? And I think it... I think it really does boil down to the motion, the emotional aspect of it. You know, there are these, like this book that just came out, Salt, Sugar, Fat, right. that talks about how the food manufacturers are creating these foods that affect our pleasure centers. And, and that creates an addictive response that right. is tied in directly to our emotional bodies, how we regulate our emotions, how we feel. And we start to rely on these foods to feel a certain way or to rep- repress a certain emotion. And those get hardwired over oh, the yeah. years. And so we're talking about trying to you know basically rewire your entire system and you you take you take away all of those sort of go to you know pleasure center foods or foods you're using to like you know feel better or repress yourself and yeah the emotions start to go haywire people start to freak out you know and then i think they just they either can't handle it or they don't have the support or they're confused or in some kind of vertigo state that they, you know, it's, it becomes unmanageable and then they go back to eating poorly because they don't have somebody who says, well, this is normal. You've taken away these things that you're, you've relied on to do this. Now you have to actually look at these emotions that you're having Mm -hmm. and, and process them and figure out how to manage them in a healthy way. And this is a growth opportunity. This is why you're doing this. So you can Mm -hmm. face this, overcome it, live, you know, live healthier. Like, well, that's why I call it holistic because it's really, it's not just the food. I mean, even though I base, my base is food and and nutrition. Um, it's a holistic approach. Yeah. Yeah, It has to be. You can't, it's like taking a, uh, you know, you take a multivitamin, you're taking these, yeah, I mean, you need these nutrients or whatever, but when they're isolated from the food, you know, they're not as bioavailable. They're not necessarily going to do what they're supposed to do. And if you take one aspect of health, whether it's like what you're putting in your mouth or how you're moving your body, but you do it in isolation, not in the context of, of a holistic approach, then you're kind of missing the whole the whole point or right. the bigger picture, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, in, in the beginning too, with going back to eating is, you know, I, I'm really, uh, really into the energetics of food. You know, I say to people, food has an energy. And when you think of it that way and you look at food and, and realize why it's green and the chlorophyll and, and the energy that food, real live, you know, food unpackaged, for instance, has, then you stop to say, do I need to eat the packaged food? Do I need to eat the, you know, fast food hamburger? And I say, stop and say, what energy am I going to get from that? You know, does it have any, what kind of energy does it have to give me? Um, and I think about that daily and, and I try to ask people to think about that because at least if you think about it, it's the first step. And as I said, just 
when you first start with someone who has no idea about this, you know, just for them to think, hey, I'm going to have an extra glass of water today or before eating the fast food thing, well, you know, what did we talk about? Okay, I'm going to, you know, try that kale or quinoa or whatever. That's just a step. It's mm-hmm. the first step. And that's what I'd say is great because it just gets them going, gets their brain going, gets them thinking. Um, as I said, with about the energetics of food, you know, fresh, raw food. I mean, I'm not saying it can't be cooked, but, you know, just the the more natural state it's at, the more energy it's going to give you. Um so I, I kind of start there, I start mm-hmm. with the food. And as I said, everything, all the layers kind of, you know, you get through all these layers and all of a sudden it's really wonderful. You see people starting to feel and start, it goes into the relationship with their families. And, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, I have someone, their husband's blending the green smoothie mm-hmm. and it's great <laughs> for both of them. And it's like, right. <laughs> or they're calling you at three in the morning crying. Yeah. Well, I get some very interesting pictures and notes and texts all day long. <laughs> But also what I've heard you say is the one thing that that has been consistent in what you just said is you're always talking about the things that you're adding in or including as opposed to the things that you're you're suddenly depriving somebody of. So it's like, hey, have if all you did was have, you know, started your day with a green smoothie or drank more water or ate more, you know, raw vegetables or whatever it Mm -hmm. is and put the focus on what you're including or, or having more of as opposed to. Well, you can't have this, and you can't have that, right. and no more of that. You know, it, it's a different perspective. Yeah, because you don't want to deprive people. Once you take, you say you can't have it anymore, then they think, oh my god, it's a diet. And, you know, mm-hmm. and we all know diets fail. I don't call any of this a diet. I, mm-hmm. When I work with people, I say, you know, we're talking about this is a lifetime. It's a mm-hmm. you know, lifestyle, lifestyle. Right. Mm-hmm. and um, that's how you have to go about thinking it. You know, because if you stay with this lifestyle and kind of what we're talking about, the energetics of food and the healthy emotions, and you know, working on you know not just maybe training forty hours a week, but also doing some yoga or lighting a candle to just change the vibe of something or breathing or you know, all this is incorporated into being healthy. You know, it's mm-hmm. not just eating your kale, but, um, you know, it's adding in. It's beyond the kale. <laughs> beyond. beyond the horizon. Beyond, beyond the green. Beyond the kale. <laughs> it's great. Is that so, the name of your book? I just made it up. Beyond the Kale. I'm going to write that book. <laughs> yeah. Happened happened during the podcast. <laughs> yeah. You guys, just fast forward a year. I'll buy it. No, so, uh, so I wanted to ask you, so where are you, where are you with cleansing? Like, how is cleansing? Is cleansing a part of your life? Is it something that you've done? Have you experimented a lot? Do you a long find time it? ago I have. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pretty active in my workouts because I, you know, I, I am a triathlete as well. Really? So I work out a lot. <laughs> really? Um, well, you yeah. know, I, I balance with my kids and my family and my work. Um, but I, when I tell people for me how I eat is... Um, I feel like I'm a cleansing every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not, believe me, I'm not perfect and get me a good bag of salty corn chips and I'm there. But, um, you know, but for me, how I eat is I feel like I, I pretty much feel pretty cleansed. Right. Um, for some people, um, I just see a lot of this cleansing happening to lose a quick five pounds. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I say to them is that, oh, well, they they went off the cleanse. I'll say, well, the next few days, what did you eat? Mm. And nine out of 10, they just go right back after the day or two after the cleanse into what right. they were doing. And I mean, I talked to a lady once in Kauai, she did this incredible Ayurveda cleanse and there she was that night drinking wine and at the thing, 
And I was like, well, <laughs> okay. But I, was, I'm, I always stop to think, you know, what is the purpose of the cleanse? You know, what, are, what reason is it for? Because if it's just to lose five pounds, you know, mm-hmm. or is right. it really to cleanse your body? To uh, I have another friend of mine at a place for like a, a two-week cleanse, but it's, it's full on. That's what they do. And she's mm-hmm. kind of more of a mind, body, spirit kind of operation. Mm-hmm. So um, she's going at it in a different level. Right. They're two um, different things. Oh yeah, yeah. totally. I think yeah, I mean, the majority of people are hearing about the cleanse. For the weight just, loss. Yeah. Right. Weight loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, juicing is huge right now, which is great because I think it's getting a lot of people into to drinking and, and trying it and getting, you know, now you go somewhere and everyone's carrying a green juice. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's in a, awesome. In LA, you know, yeah, maybe in, not LA. LA. Maybe everyone not in, in our world. You know, Cedar yeah. Rapids or something, you know, there's, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's everywhere, but it is yeah. cool to see it here for sure. And it's, you know, these these sort of cold-pressed juice companies are springing up all over the place. Right. I mean, the, the juice trucks that are driving around L.A., which is, oh, yeah. which is really cool. You know, I mean, it's definitely a trend. Um, and I think the only sort of downside to that is that it, it, it suddenly sort of couches healthy eating into some kind of elitist pursuit. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, you know, good for you. You can, you can afford your $9 you know, juice at the press juicery truck mm-hmm. or whatever. And it takes, you know, it sort of takes the discussion away from the accessibility of the general population and turns it into like a well-heeled thing. And it doesn't have to be that, you know, it's no, I mean, I like, I get so many people asking me what juicer to buy. They want to do it at home, which mm-hmm. is the way to go. I mean, as mm-hmm. you said, this is a lifestyle. So you want to incorporate this in your life. You know, you know, I hear I don't have time. It takes so long. So we talk about techniques, you know, how to prepare it, get it all done, chop it up, put it in a bag in the fridge. It takes two minutes to juice. Right. Do that for a couple of days. Have that ready. Put it in the glass. You know, I kind of go through this with people. So when they do it for a couple of times, they realize, wow, you know, it's not that hard. And most people I talk to. Honestly, within a few weeks or, or craving, you know, this is what they want to do now. Yeah. You start to crave it and you're, you know, and that's a good, that's a good sign, Yeah, you know, and it doesn't have to be expensive. I made a video, which I haven't put up yet. I've got to put that video up, but I was so incensed. I was at like Gelson's or, or Bristol farms or one of those markets and they had some premium juices. I forget the name of the juice company, but one of the really high end mm-hmm. ones and the, and they were the tiny little like 10 12 ounce juices but they were like $12 yeah. each for mm-hmm. like beet celery juice oh, yeah. and I was like are you kidding I was reading like the wave of the future in the next year or two that they feel juices will go to twenty dollars. It's yeah, it's crazy. And so yeah. it's like, oh well, you know Incredible. what is it like caviar? You know, it's just like a beet you pull out of the ground and some celery. So I was like, I'm gonna go to the market and see how much produce I can buy for the price of mm-hmm. two of those juices. So I went to uh Viarda market, yeah. which is like deep in the valley. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like it's like in a scroungy neighborhood or whatever, but it's a cheap market. I was like, yeah. I wonder how much produce I can get here. I filled an entire shopping cart for twenty four dollars. Yeah. You know, I was like for the price of two of those little juices at that market. And then, you know, we could juice that and in Vitamix that stuff for a week. Oh yeah. Greg mm-hmm. Smith was saying he just went to he was buying so much fruit and he listened to the podcast episode where I had Michael Arnstein on, the fruitarian guy. Oh, right. He was yeah, talking about how he liked The amount of fruit that guy yeah, eats? It's insane, right? And he's he like was, four refrigerators. And he was like, yeah. And he was like, I go to the um, 
the uh, the the wholesalers because yeah, I, I won't yeah. buy it at the store because I'm buying so much and they think that he must have like a store because he's store. buying so much fruit and he brings a truck there and loads it up. So Greg Smith found the fruit wholesalers in downtown LA, right? And he was telling me he went down there the other day and he bought like an insane amount of produce for like nothing. He's like, I bought a giant box of mangoes that I could barely carry for like six dollars. And he yeah. goes, the fruit is just spilling out all over the street everywhere. He's like, there's like you could just pick it up off the ground and have enough to last your family. Family for two weeks. Yeah, it's, like, you know, like, it's very anyway, simple. He goes, all you have to do is go downtown. Like no one knows about it. And he's like, I go, do you have to be, you have to ha- like convince them that you have a store that you're a retailer or something? He's like, no, just go there and buy it. Yeah. Like, you know, just nobody knows to do that. Right. I mean, it's all very simple. You know, you I mean, it's the price of the juicer. Um, most people don't have huge families like us. Right. Well, you know, you know, some do, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's simple ingredients. And um you know, it's it's a lot of bang for your buck. You know, right. the nutrient <clears throat> dense foods when it comes down to, and that's it's a just a great great thing to do daily if you can. Yeah, absolutely. So, what do you th- what do you what do you do? Like, what is your sort of general advice when people slip up or kind of go off the wagon? Uh, you know, maybe you know, like, you're counseling them, and like they're going good for a while, and then they kind of disappear on you. Well, they don't <laughs> fully disappear. It's if they're going to tell me now, um, you know, we all do it. It's not, and it's really funny because they, they know, but they just go back on track. I mean, it's just, and then interestingly enough, the healthier you get, the faster you rebound. I mean, you feel mm-hmm. it because as I said, the kind of cleaner you get when you binge, depending on what it is, your body, they'll be like, oh, I felt like crap. I know I had that hamburger or, you know, if for instance, for someone's not eating meat or I had a lot of sugar, um, I had a couple drinks, you know, that's, you know, big for people because they, yeah, for sure. Um, but then what's interesting is that they, they feel that and they just get back right on track, Mm -hmm. you know? And as I said, this is a lifestyle, you know, we're all not perfect on, I don't, you know, tell people they can't have this, they can't have that. It's just, as you said, it's adding in more of the good food, crowd out the bad. Right. Um, you know, we just bring in, um, as I said, more healthy, good food. And right. um, I think eventually, um, you know, they, they just start to understand, they start to become educated in the process. They start learning about their bodies. And um, as I said, that's just the first step. I think just as long as the momentum keeps going, Mm-hmm. and they go in the right direction. It's good, and they always do. Well, I think when you start to feel better, then you sort of develop a, a, a level of self... There's a level of self-esteem that comes with that, oh, and yeah. then that makes you want to exercise a little bit more self-care, and then before you know it, there's like a gestalt or like a, a momentum that goes along mm-hmm. with that that, that will That's start what I said, all the emotions you. start, yeah. the self-confidence, I can do it. Wow, I've lost some right. weight. I had someone today text me, I feel so great. Mm-hmm. I've downed my diet Pepsi to 12 ounces instead of 16 ounces. Right. I am had that green juice today. You said it was really good. I'm really feeling mm-hmm. good, you know? Granted, they're still drinking the diet Pepsi, but they were they know I want to scale down. It's not like mm-hmm. I'm quitting it all tomorrow after they've had it every day for 10 years. Yeah. Right. Um, but they're adding in the other stuff and they're noticing a difference and you create and you create like a history with that. Like in in recovery, it's sort of it's common for somebody who's new to say, Oh my God, you know, like, yeah, I can deal with like not drinking today, but like, what about that 
bachelor party I have in six months mm-hmm. in Vegas, like I'm never going to make it. And it's like, well, you know what? Why don't you just not worry about that until yeah. that happens? And then, you know, then the event occurs and somehow the person makes it through without drinking or using. And then they get on the other side of that and they're like, oh my God, I never would have thought I would have been able to do that without getting loaded. And that's like called sober history. So it's like, you know, you can, you weathered that sort of situation that you never would have thought possible. Now, you know, you can do it. So, so, you know, I have friends that they're trying to deal with their, their changing their eating habits. And they say, well, you know, there's no way I could make it through like a board meeting without drinking like a liter of diet Coke. I've been doing it for 20 years. The first time they do something like that, or they make it through like a tricky situation um, and they do it in a healthier way that creates history. You know, it's like, okay, I, I know I could do that. I did that. I feel, and I feel really good about myself that right. I was able to do that. So then the next time it's a little bit easier. Or and sometimes you give them do. other options. I mean, there yeah. are some people that really have a, no idea how to do that. So you say, Hey, what about trying this or do that? Mm-hmm. Or have you brought something else or brought an apple or have you, you know, got up and done, you know, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. Same with me. I have people too that don't want to drink or don't want to be put in a situation of a lot of junk food or, um, you know, as you said, just like an alcoholic or someone quitting smoking, you don't want Mm -hmm. to go to the bar or go hang out with your friends that smoke around you. You know, I think eating cleanly and not drinking and, or or whatever, you know, I mean, it's not that you, you can't socialize and you do, and some people have more discipline than others, but others that need a little more support. And if the support's not there, because not everyone has the support, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I work with some people that their families are, you know, pretty unhealthy, but it's them, you know, really trying to forge ahead. So what do you, what do you counsel in that, in that respect? Cause I think that's a huge issue, you know, and that's, it's something that prevents a lot of people from, from, you know, trying to blaze this path because they just think it's going to be too hard. They don't have the support. Right. Um, well that's, I come in a little heavier on that point for me as supporting them, you know, with speaking with them more often, um, you know, maybe, um, giving them thoughts on, you know, their food and, you know, they're trying to cook for their family. Um, if there's unhealthy stuff coming in that they're saying to me, it's really hard when I open the refrigerator and my boyfriend's buying all this stuff. Or, or uh, for instance, I said the other day, well, who's shopping? She says, well, I am, but they eat other stuff. And I said, well, you know what? You don't have to buy that. You know, mm-hmm. um, you can tell your boyfriend if he wants that, you know, tell him, listen, I'm working really hard. Um, I'm, I need the support and it's really hard for me to buy that and have that in the refrigerator right now. Um, if you want it, do you mind you get it or can we not have it here? And, and I think just be open and talk about it. Cause as I said, it, it opens up a whole, whole other dimension with relationships right. and, and it, why, why bring, you're not supporting right, these, yeah, I know it, what's up. Bring two people closer or that relationship exactly. is going to explode. Yeah. But I mean, doesn't, I mean, isn't, uh, when you make a shift in, in lifestyle or in any kind of endeavor, journey, spiritual, or in your, you know, life creatively with food, I mean, there are some relationships that need to change mm-hmm. or that you say goodbye to, or you turn down a different path right yeah. as you I mean, were that's, saying that's be- the harsh reality you know yeah. when you start to you know i mean I, the analogy i always use is recovery but yeah like you when you're mm-hmm. when you know when you're drinking and using and you're in a bad place you know water rises to its own <laughs> level and you have a lot of lower companions i certainly mm-hmm. did and then when you get sober you're like i can't be around those people anymore i need a new set of friends or you start to develop self-esteem and you start doing esteemable acts and 
you know, the, the, the level of water in your glass starts to rise and you start to attract a higher quality of person. And so when you, whenever you take upon yourself to improve yourself, there's going to be, sometimes there's fallout with that. Like mm-hmm. other people in your life maybe don't want you to be better, you know, and they, they like it when you're smaller. Or they don't or want lower. you to change. Yeah. I think people just, in, just naturally don't maybe always embrace change. And if you're changing, and if you're changing too quickly, then that means something's happening to me. Or they see themselves, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. You know, you're rising above. It's scary. And I don't say above like in, you know, an ego you know, sense, but um, they may think you're stronger than them. And in, in a sense, you are. Like, if you're in that down place, and you're drinking, and you're in a bad place, and they are too, and you kind of stop and move ahead, um, I think people see how they want to be and it's mm-hmm. hard for some people to take that step well yeah because it, it provokes a fear response mm-hmm. because if somebody's improving then it means oh man are they going to leave me if i don't sort of step up and do what they're doing and if i don't want to do that or i'm scared of doing or that, can i just, can yeah. i myself do that right you know um and you know, as I said, all this was talking about the holistic thing. This this just is like the beginning. So, you know, so it started with that juice, and now we're like into like. A, <laughs> I know we're into you know yeah <laughs> heavy medita- analysis. We're meditating yeah. now. So. Oh my goodness! No. <laughs> but it's really interesting. I mean, it really opens up uh, everything. And um, well, I mean, this is what health is about. It's mental. It's spiritual. It's you know, absolutely. Well, and I mean, absolutely. as I always say, uh, and quote someone I don't know who originally said this, but. We are spiritual beings having a human experience, yeah. not the other way around. Right. And and getting with the food and getting reconnected with living, vibrant foods is the first step to making that connection. <laughs> Why are you laughing no, at me? Because when I was in rehab, like, and I I had like ten days sober, and I was out of my mind. Did like somebody the counselor said, you? "No, they said that we were like in some group counseling session, and the counselor was like." So, you know, you have a choice. He goes, are you, have, are, you a, are you a physical being having a spiritual experience or are you a spiritual being having a physical experience? Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm a physical being having a, I don't know, am I having a spiritual experience? But I'm definitely a physical being. And he's like, wrong. I was like, what are you talking about? And it took me years, years. to understand you know, what you just said, you know, but it was first posited to me then, you know, and so, but it, but it gets to the point that you're both making, which is, and, and kind of the point that I was trying to make in the book, sort of between the lines, it's like, you read the book, it's like, oh, you know, the plant-based diet and then all these, you know, crazy endurance adventures. But, but really what I was trying to say, maybe I didn't say it very well, is like, that changing the diet is just the first step. You know, that's what you need to, right. you need to, that's what, you know, sort of, that's the pipe cleaner that allows all these other changes to transpire and allows you to kind of explore and embrace a better version of yourself because you have to clean the filter, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't end with that. That's mm. the beginning Only point beginning. of the journey, you know? So it's like, okay, you've cleaned up your diet you're energized, you feel good. Like now where are you going to direct this energy? You know, and if these emotions are suddenly coming up, like what is that about? And how Mm -hmm. am I going to navigate and overcome some of these other character defects or what's wrong in my relationships or what am I not not expressing? You know, it doesn't have to be a scary thing. No, no, no. It's an adventure. Yeah. Yeah. It's an adventure. It's sort of like, Oh my God, now I feel it's a way of equipping yourself for that growth experience, I think. And you know, this all also happens 
when you're ready for it to happen. Yeah. I find people come to me when um, they're ready mm-hmm. to come to me. Um, and most people I work with are really motivated. They're excited. They want the support. I mean, you know, you kind of go through your hills and valleys. Um, but most people are ready. And and you're saying with this emotional, all these layers that kind of uh, mm-hmm. come undone. Um you know, people might be listening and saying, oh, my gosh, you know, it's too scary. I'm not going to have green ever. Or I'm not going to clean up my diet but because I don't want to freak out. Um, but, you know, this all just happens. I mean, just naturally. Mm-hmm. And it's very uh, interesting to see because, as I said, when you work with people and this is what you do, you see this naturally. And they're, they come, they say to me, hey, I feel this or what do you think? Uh, so it's something that evolves within oneself. Yes, and I would say that for all the... For all the struggles or all the fears that you have to face or all the um, challenges that you have to embrace, that the person that you find beyond the kale, beyond the kale. <laughs> you, will, you will be so delighted and happy in your life. When you yeah. access that. So it when you really get beyond the kale. Beyond the kale. <laughs> So now it's what I'm trying to say is it's really worth it. And when you're ready, you are ready. So, yeah. you know, you have the courage within you and each, uh-huh. each being does. And, and now you have tons of support because there's all kinds of amazing people coming forth with, you know, techniques and tools and information. And the, yeah. the podcast is always and the here podcast for you. is here for you. <laughs> and we've got Lisa with whole body beautiful and, That's right. and rich roll. There is so much health information out there. It can feel overwhelming and leave even the most well-intentioned confused about what's what and who to trust. Well, the first person that I call when I'm seeking clarity is my friend and nutrition expert, Simon Hill, host of the fantastic podcast, The Proof. Each week, Simon matches wits with brilliant scientists, translating their evidence-based insights into actionable tools for better well-being. Subscribe to The Proof, available wherever you get your podcasts, and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. So Lisa, when, how long have you been on a plant-based diet? Um, well, I was vegetarian for years. I was in Paris. I remember. You can't be of, vegan in Paris, can you? No, we have. I was a vegetarian in Paris. You were, yeah. Um, well, yeah, because you know. Well, you I was thinking about fromage. This. Yeah, fromage. <laughs> oh, la, la. Um, but you know, yeah. seeing the animals hanging in the windows was really new for well, me. That's coming something. from Florida. Right. I walked by and would see all the you know upside mm. down ducks and animals just all there in the windows and that was pretty wild for me Mm -hmm. so I kind of stopped eating meat for a while (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I was vegetarian for years um 
and then started birthing a lot of children and then mm-hmm. kind of went into some meat for a while and which was worked well at the time. And then after, I mean, it all just kind of evolved for me. This is kind of how I just felt and went back to vegetarian and then kind of went to vegan. And, you know, I was training and knew so many great vegan athletes. I said, well, I don't have to worry there. Mm-hmm. And um, as I said, I was pretty educated. You know, there does have some, you need some education, obviously. Right. Being vegan and um, being an athlete, you have to kind of know what to do a bit. So, um yeah, I mean, it, it's been a good experience. So I would say, well, at least full that vegan, at least three years or more. Three years. Um, uh-huh. Four years. Um, and then, yeah, as I said, vegetarian for like 18 years before right. that. So. And, and how do you feel that eating the, the vegan plant-based diet has impacted your training? Like, how does that... Um, I mean, were you were you racing triathlons before? Like, is there a difference that you noticed or some of the things that you've kind of learned about how to repair your body or, you know? I mean, I think, um, I think recovery is pretty fast. Um, mm. I'm rarely uh, sore. I mean, after a race, I'm a little sore. But well, really. You, if you're not, then you didn't, you didn't go well, hard enough. that's what they say, yeah. but. I mean, I have some pretty hard training things, yeah. but, um, yeah, I mean, I have, as I said, I really feel my, the energy and the food I eat. I mean, I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm not, like I'm off the walls sometimes mm-hmm. even too much where, you know, I even talk to people about certain things you need to eat to kind of bring down your energy and a lot of roots kind of stuff for, for a vegan friends, right. a lot of root vegetables and yams and that kind of thing is a little more grounding. Um, but yeah, I mean, I got so much energy. Yeah, it's really great. It's pretty awesome, right? Yeah. Do I you mean, get Do you get shit from people um, from other athletes, or no, what is the What is the reception to like? You know, what? I think they look community. at you, uh, you know, one as an athlete. Like people would look at you or me, um, and I think they see how you train, they see how you perform, they see how you look, they see um, the energy you have, the positivity, and they ask you, "What are you doing that mm-hmm. you can be that way?" And, um, I think it just kind of speaks for itself, you know? And so people, I find people coming to me saying, what can I do to have that energy to, to train like that, to do what you're doing? And so then it kind of opens the door for them to say, you know, maybe I'll, I'll try a little bit of that. Or, and as I said, it's not me pushing being a vegan, but it's what works for me. Right. Um, well, it's the power of the athlete because the you know it's just how you're living and performing. You know, right. people just look at your performance or how you're training day in day out, or your race results, or you know what your body looks like, and they make a judgment call as opposed to a doctor who said gets up on a podium and says you should eat this because of X, Y, and Z. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of nutritionists out there that I know working with um, the athletes that are you know pushing protein, protein, lots of meat. Um, some people are fine with it. Some aren't. And, um, you know, I would say to them, you know, you have to do what works for you. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not working for you. And because you're seeing this person telling you to do that, you know, doesn't mean, you know, he's the right person for you or, you know, he's not working with what you need. Right. Um, so I, you know, I tell people to be open and to try different things and to see, you know, how it works. And as I said, there is a, a bit of a science to it, you know, as you know, with per certain protein after you've had a long workout and recovery and hydration and <clears throat> carbs and, you know, there's all that to work with. Right. But it's not that big of a deal. You know what I mean? That shouldn't be a reason to scare somebody off. Oh, no, um, no, no. And we have everything, you know, we, I don't mean we yeah. as a, you know, a special group, but, you know, being a plant-based athlete, I mean, there's 
plenty of food out there for everybody. Right. <laughs> you know, and there's plenty of stuff to eat and to live healthy, to train healthy. Um, you know, it's not a problem. I don't Amazing. think it is. You don't think it's not, any, not a problem for a, you? I don't think it's a problem. <laughs> so um, you had a pretty amazing experience in the form of a crash mm-hmm. and uh, and really a miraculous recovery. And I, I'd love for you to tell us and the listeners, share that story. So what happened? You were training um, on Kauai? Yeah, I was on Kauai on a bike, on my bike, on a race bike. And it was, you know... Pretty, it wasn't, it wasn't any great story like, you know, at the <laughs> finish line and getting <laughs> yeah. to be first place, That's going to it. 55, you know, but, you know, it was on a flat road, going about 25, you know, miles per hour, nothing major. And, um, you know, there was this divot in the road and some sand. They were doing some work on the side and my, I was, I had my race wheels on. So, you know, they're lean right. and mean and my front wheel just Took yeah. out, turned all the way left, almost 180 or something, and uh, just threw me onto the highway. And as I was going down, I thought my, you know, my peripheral vision, I'd just seen if there was a car. And I could think I could see one way back there. Well, not too way, but way enough that it was not on my shoulder. And I hit and I bounced. I flipped. And first thing I thought was just to get out of the road. So I flipped my bike from the left side I hit. And flipped it to the right and tried to stand up and took a step and I just kind of got my bearings. And then there was the car that came. He looked at me. He told me I was pretty bloody, which I didn't remember. So he pulled over and stopped. And I took a step on my left, oops, sorry, on my left uh, foot and uh, my leg. And I felt like my hip flexor not feeling so great. And I went, First thing I thought was, oh, damn, I can't run for a couple of weeks. And I think I pulled something. I was like, oh, shit. So um, the guy was there and he says, well, where do you live? And of course, I lived 15 minutes down the road. You know, they see the mm-hmm. accident happens five minutes from your house. And uh, he put me in his car with my bike, drove me home. I think one or two, it was very early in the morning because that's when I rode mm-hmm. really early. And one or two of my kids were there and... Uh, kind of carried me, helped me limp over to the couch. And he said to my kids, oh, your mom had a little accident and I just brought her home. And so the, my first thing as a mother being, don't worry, kids, I'm okay. And of course I looked a mess and road rash. And mm-hmm. I don't know, my daughter actually took a picture, which I didn't realize till months later. And I saw the picture, which is pretty emotional. And I'm like sitting on the couch and I, I have this look on my face of shock. I was in shock. And disbelief and just kind of staring out into space. And I don't remember her ever taking that picture, but I, I think of that picture is it's just wild, you know, because mm-hmm. um, I was it wasn't me. I was somewhere else. And um, a friend of mine came over and tried to clean me up a bit and got me up and I walked into the bathroom and almost passed out. And she says, you know, I think we should go to the hospital and just have your road rash cleaned up at least, you know, cause I popped three Advil and I thought, you know, I just right. really pulled something and, uh, went to the hospital. The doctor was a triathlete uh, yeah. <laughs> and he says, well, Lisa, since you took a step or something, I think you didn't break anything, but let's just take an x-ray. And he came back and he was like, you know, you broke your hip. I'm like, I did. And he says, yeah, we got to get into an OR. And I'm like, what do you mean? Don't I go home to think about it? And he says, no, no. So you made a phone call and just so happens uh, someone actually pretty good was on Kauai that did hips and knees. And 
Um, Because other than that, I'd be out to Honolulu or something off Kauai. And they got me in an ambulance, got me down there, and I was in surgery, and they bolted in three titanium huge screws, Mm -hmm. put my hip back together and screwed me together in the hopes that it would mend back. So I couldn't walk on it for three months. So I was uh, crutches. Um, I was allowed to still train after a little while. So right, was, and you had made this this team that was going to China at the time, oh, right? Oh, right, right. I, yeah. I had just qualified for the national championships three weeks mm-hmm. before, and I was supposed to go to China with the USA team. So uh, that, well, well, when it all happened, you know, of course I told the doctor that. Like, I'm training. Like, when can oh, I get yeah. back? The first thing you have, Fully you thought have I was tit- going. Titanium <laughs> pins in your hip and you're like, I can run, right? Like, yeah. yeah. So the doctor said, you know, let's give it three months, no weight bearing. I'm like, because oh. he put me together in the hopes that um, because I was young and it fit so perfectly that there was a good chance it would heal back. And he didn't want to replace it because he said, you know, you're young. Let's see if you can keep your hip. But there was a third, about a third of the patients that this happens to. What happens is your, um, all the little veins there get sliced, you know, they're mm-hmm. broken off. And so they have to reconnect. And there's a third, about a third that don't patients. It doesn't so it's happen. it's not getting enough blood flow to the area. Right. So it gets necrotic. And uh, so we kept, I went off it for three months, um, brought my crutches to the pool, uh, was on the trainer, couldn't run, didn't run for a year, by the way. Um, oh, a whole year. Wow. Yeah. Well, the story goes is that after about eight months, we had it MRI'd. I went to Colorado to Stedman Institute and it came back 90% not healed. No after way. a year? Eight months. Eight months. So wow. there went China because I long, thought after four months it would this, heal. This was in like 2010. This when was is, this? Um, yeah, like. Eh, yeah, like uh, two. Yeah, like two years. Yeah, uh-huh. Two, two and a half. Um, yeah, about two. And um, so that was a bummer. <laughs> and so we made the decision. I found a great doctor here in LA who like pioneered the you know the anterior approach in the front of the hip, mm-hmm. and came to him and told him what I did, and he was awesome. And so he replaced it. So now I have a ceramic, full ceramic hip. That's amazing. And, uh, so they take the pins out. How does that work? They create uh, like the ball and yeah, the whole thing. Every, yeah. He took, I've got the pin. I mean, took the pins out, the hip out, hip wasn't happening and I got a full replacement and he put ceramic in cause you know, the metal now they've come out to mm-hmm. realize that it's, you know, the little toxic. metal pieces are coming mm-hmm. out into the blood. And right. so, you know, we're like a whole new brand of hip replacements as athletes who are mm-hmm. of a certain age. And, you know, we're not in the books as 20 years from now what's happened. So he yeah. said to me, don't run on it for three months. Um, see how you feel. And then you can run. I thought my running days were over. So I was going to go into cycling. I thought, okay, mm-hmm. this is it. We'll full on cycle and, you know, compete and do that. Right. And then I went back after six weeks and he's like, you know what? No, you can run. I'm like, oh. And so I waited three months and I remember that first run and, you know, I just kept, you know, actually during the, the pin stage, um, I was on Kauai, we were racing. I had what we called the dream team. So I, um, I did the bike, I had a swimmer and I had a runner. So we did relays. Uh-huh. And so kind of kept me training, gave me goals. You know, you and I, before we're talking about having goals and, you know, it was just so important to even through, um, you know, 
you know, people who are unhealthy or have medical issues or an injury, you know, still to have a goal or even not an injury to keep you motivated. Right. And, you know, my goal at first was to get better for China. That wasn't happening. So, um, I just, uh, you know, kept having these little goals, you know, to have, to keep me going. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it worked. That's amazing. And so how does that color your current perspective on training and racing? Like how does that, having had that experience, how does that inform how you approach, you know, your racing and your, I mean, is it, are you scared? Are you more scared on the bike, more timid, or are you more sort of, you know, in gratitude for being able to do this again when you thought maybe you wouldn't be able to? Like, how yeah, that- I mean, you know, in the very beginning when I remember having my first ride on the bike after my hip was replaced, you know, you're a little cautious. And then you kind of, you know, it's like getting back on the horse, you know, right. you remember what it feels like. And, and by the way, know, like riding in Kauai is a little scary. People say that. That's I don't know. Right. Listen, we do some major climbing and hills on Mulholland. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. but I mean, no, but I mean, it's more like, uh, because of the, at least on the North shore, the road's always a little bit wet. And yeah. the, what are those berries that fall out of those trees <laughs> that are everywhere? On the season. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just, I feel like the road's always just a little bit slick. It keeps you, know? it keeps you on so, your toes. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's not the, the best riding, I mean, safety-wise. Well, when we um, were there, everybody was so concerned that Rich was riding on the road. And then I met you, and you weren't concerned at all. No, <laughs> no yeah, I everyone mean, was like, really? You ride your bike here? Would, like, you better They would be pull me aside, and they were like, get him off. Get him off the bike. I worry you know, about him every time he goes out. It's one road, and it's just goes road, around yeah. the island. And you know, for me, um, even here, too, I ride first light. I ride when it's really early. And also here in L.A., I ride usually my long rides on the weekend, you know, really mm-hmm. early. Um, there's just so many people out. I mean, on Kauai, there's a lot less people. So when you're out at 6 and 5.30, 6 in the morning, mm-hmm. it's fine, you know. And you just got to make that commitment. As we're saying, how do you do it and fit it all in, Bill? If you need a three-hour ride, you got to wake you gotta up You got to go at 5. Right. You gotta, and, and also the safety, you know, the safety aspect right. of it. Um, and so what does a typical training week look like for you? Like I got some grief cause I've had a couple of female athletes on the show before and I haven't been as specific with them about their training routines as I have been with the men. So I got accused <laughs> of being sexist. So, I think you're sexy. <laughs> yeah. Sexy or sexist? sexist. <laughs> Same right. thing. No, no. But no, so tell interested. us. Like, yeah. how many hours a week are you training? Well, you I mean, know, you're incredibly fit. You know, like, you look at like you're ready to, like, line up and podium at any race you just <laughs> put your mind to right now. Um, well, which is more than I can say yeah, for myself at the moment. You, you do yeah. win a lot. She well, wins yeah. a lot. I try. I mean, it's fun. You know, um, I do what I can because I said I juggle a lot, you know, with kids and my husband travels a lot. He's not at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably in the recovery situation, you know, aspect, I probably need a few more sl- hours sleep than I get. Um, but you know, I'm swimming three, four times a week, um, on the bike three, four times a week, I'm running three, four times a week. Um, I'm now I've really tried to take off a day a week, Sunday. Um, I just need that. And I tell people that too, just for the mental downness, you know, I look forward to it now, just even if it's staying in bed till six thirty or something, you know, right. oh, oh, God forbid. <laughs> so luxurious. You know? And then my son will say, mom, is it the day off? You know, but it's so cute. Um, but I feel bad. I like, think a day oh, off is super important. Yeah. I always have taken a, a, a day off a recovery day, even yeah. super hard training, like always one day off a week. Thank, thank God. I remember when I was uh, <laughs> training with the coach and that, you know, I was going through like two, two and a half weeks before I got a day off. And the first couple of months it was like, whoa, um, it was hard. Mm-hmm. But, um, 
you know, I do what I can. You know, I don't do ultra like you do. My distances are shorter. You know, I'm running half marathons. I'm usually racing triathlon in Olympic distance because I like it shorter, faster, sweeter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know you're long, a long. That's just because I'm not good at the, the shorter <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. I speak to long distance athletes and they're like, oh my God, it's just, it's so painful to go fast. And I'm like, but yeah, don't you want to go fast? You know, I like know. I'm thinking on Ironman, I just want to go fast all the time. And I'm like, I can't go that fast on that distance. Right. So I, you know, I try to, um, I try to break it up where I can. And as I said, for me to have, I have to have a schedule to, to juggle all those balls. So and do you I'm work pretty, with a coach or do you just come up with your own? Um, it depends. I, I have a running coach now. I have an awesome swim coach. Um, that's where I'm at. I might switch that up later on, um, to get someone maybe I used to have one that does it all. So it depends on kind of where I'm at. Right. Um, because on the off season, I was doing a lot of running. Um, and just said I was doing some half marathons and, and working more on my running because I had that year off. Mm-hmm. So my swimming and biking were great. And then I just needed to boost up the running. So I boosted up the running and now I'm just kind of, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to juggle all three. I love it, it how is. you say that, you know, cause I had that year off. <laughs> well, yeah. not year, year off from running. <laughs> like it was, like it was a, a break. Like you want yeah. a vacation. Uh, yeah, yeah, a vacation. I had a broken hip. I was just no, but that's, but that's powerful. It's powerful the way that she looks at it. And that's the thing is you, when I spoke to you about this experience uh, previously, it's your attitude. You know, you have such an amazing, positive, um, kind of can-do attitude. And you do. You have great yeah, energy. I mean, so good know, for I, you. I, you know, yeah, I think back at... Um, Kind of, you know, when you'd stop and you think probably back for you when you were in like mm. the lowest point you were at and you think, God, how, how did I get through that? I think of that sometimes. I think of the pain I was in, how I was walking. I couldn't walk upstairs normally. I'd had to put one leg out to the side. I was limping. One leg was shorter than the other. And I was just going through it. You know, but I think also your brain gets to a point where you're not maybe firing at 100%, as you mm-hmm. probably know. Yeah. And you're, it's that survival mode. And I think uh, also as athletes, too, we get to this survival mode where we have to actually stop and take a breath and say, okay, you know, this is too much or, you know, that's not normal, that pain. Or, you know, I am training too hard. What's up? What's behind that? You know, so to have that day off in the week kind of brings you back to center right. a little bit. And you have to have some experience and kind of, self-knowledge to be able to gauge that right. you know it takes years of kind of training and racing to to kind of be able to gauge those signals when they come up and when you were saying like oh i have a swim coach and i have a running coach and you know i think that that you know if for a less experienced athlete who's trying to do triathlon who has a different coach in all three disciplines like that can be a problem because right. you know they're getting one thing from their swim coach one thing from their running coach and one thing from a cycling coach and those those three things may not mesh in a holistic way to make you a better triathlete. Right. You might just end up like exhausted. Well, you know, usually you do you know? because you they don't know what the, the program right. is. Um, as I said, I, I kind of work with a, I train with a lot, a bunch of athletes that work with our Jerry Rodriguez, who's our mm-hmm. swim coach. who's great. Um, I love and, Jerry. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, One of these days I will show I'm up. I'm waiting. I keep asking <laughs> I <know>. you. <laughs> I'm going to get there. I'm going to do it. I'm dragging your butt. Um, and you know, so as I said, and the bike, I'm okay right now where, cause I, as I've done this for a while, I know what I need to do. And my running coach, um, Darren DeRook and Boulder, he's great. He, you know, he's a triathlete as well. He competes. He, he's an awesome athlete himself. So we kind of all get each other. Um, 
But as I said, it, we'll see next season if I, you know, want to go full bore, you know, I probably would get a coach for everything and then right. just look at my race plan. I mean, this year is a little hard. My husband's been away all year, you know, injury thing, coming back into running, you know, um, doing a few races, but you know, I'm just kind of assessing everything. Um, so you're not keyed up for one specific race that you're going well, for I, this I year? Was, or what are you, what are I you was supposed for? to race two races this month, but I had a little bit of a injury. So mm-hmm. I'm not, uh, those are out, unfortunately. So I'm kind of reassessing them. The, yeah. The what was Wildflower one of them? Yeah. yeah. I was supposed to race in the ITU two weeks before that. Mm-hmm. Oh, in San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. So, and well, um, so what, what happened? Uh, well, little, the bike, uh, little slide out <laughs> yeah. and fractured six ribs. So I'm, uh, just I'm a little, just, just <laughs> fractured six ribs. But I'm feeling good today. Today was my first run back and first full swim and I'm, uh, I'm ready to go, you know, and, uh, she's an iron woman. I know. <laughs> I cracked a few ribs when I crashed in Kauai. And He's such a it. pussy. I was a puss. <laughs> I was I mean, done. What's wrong with you? Get up. She's fine. <laughs> she met me the next day. We were hanging out. She, she'd already been riding or something. Oh no, you were swimming. You tried to swim. No, actually yeah. we, you were going to come in and do the podcast. That's right. I just you them. crashed and we had mm. to, yeah, I think you were, you would have, if I had said, "Oh, come on," you was, you still would have shown up. Yeah, we like, wanted no, you, you to be happy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm happy of, instead of in pain. Yeah. No, you know it, it. You know, then I think back, I'm, and I don't say six fractured ribs, nothing. But you know, you think back. Well, you know, I've I've been through worse, and it'll heal. And the frustrating part for me is that not you know doing the races I wanted to do, but right. you know. I always say that other things happen, you know, this didn't happen, but I had an awesome month with clients and people I've helped. Some awesome, awesome things have happened. And, uh, and that's good. It might not have happened if, you know, I was it's away important. Racing. It's important to reserve judgment on things like that, that yeah. happen Cause you don't, you don't have the big picture. You don't know. Right. You don't, you, you're not in a position to say this is bad and this is good. Yeah. You know, and it always works out, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not life and death and you just kind of realter and you relook and you get some, your goals kind of switch and you know, it works out. It, and it's, it's easier to have that perspective when this is the lifestyle that you've adopted. It's not about like, I need to do this this year or all is lost. Right. It's like, no, this is the way you live your life. Mm-hmm. Like, your, the expression of your life is manifest through, you know, the activities that you do and what you share with your clients. And, you know, whether you're injured or not, that will continue. Right. 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 And, you know, I think it just makes me, um, you know, kind of gives character, you know, to who you are and how you're dealing with it. And um, as I said, it's all a movement forward. It's all another part of you and you become stronger. You know, mm-hmm. as I said, with what you went through, with, you know, what I went through, we're, if we didn't, we wouldn't be who we are. So. Right. What do you say to clients that come to you and, and you know, they want to start exercising or they don't have a history of being an athlete. They're not connected to their body in that way. Uh, you know, maybe they hate running or just have never had a good experience with doing anything outdoors, but they need to do something like, what is the advice that you give? Well, usually I'll, I'll probably ask what they enjoy. You know, what is it they really enjoy, what they're doing now? And as I said, I, I would say it's a step-by-step, you know, program. It's just the way we, we take things. Mm-hmm. Just it's not all at once. If it's for someone that does absolutely nothing, that's overweight, I said, you know, can you walk for five, ten minutes after dinner? Or do you, what time do you have? You know, when's the best time for you? What can you do? 
And they'll start off with walking or there's, you know, people that are started back running again. They haven't for years or, um, as I said, with a switch in diet and then the exercise and you know, all of a sudden, as you said, they start to feel it. They start feeling mm-hmm. more confident. They're dropping a few pounds or they're getting more energy or you work with athletes that, you know, are switching things up. They, they never thought of switching up or they're giving themselves some more downtime. You know, you, you know, you deal with people like that who overtrain, who are just right. so busy just actually to talk to you that Kim can't even schedule that in. So that's what I said. People come to me when it's kind of time and they're ready because you're going to make that time. And I say, you know, this time isn't me trying to tell you for the hour of how to do it. It's you giving yourself the time and you making the commitment because this is for you. You know, this is your time. Um, so, you know, as I said, I just I work around what what's what's possible for them to start with. And, right. and also what they, as I said, what they enjoy, because if they don't enjoy it, they're not going to stick to it. Right. I like it. What do you think, Julie? I think it's genius. You think it's beyond kale? <laughs> it's beyond the kale. It's definitely <laughs> that beyond is the totally kale. beyond the kale. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's great. I think it's wise, absolutely, because yeah. uh, you know we should all be doing what we love and enjoying ourselves. So it's different for everybody. But I'm just sitting here imagining what it would be like for Lisa to get me out on the bike. <laughs> That's hilarious. We gotta, you got to do that just like because I want to see that. I want to make, yeah. make a videotape of Julie like with a kit on and a bike helmet on because I just can't even picture that. Well, Actually, I can't even, I can't picture you jogging, you, can't? you know, or running. Like, jogging? With Actually, I can't jogging. even, I can't even picture you in a pair of running shoes, just standing That's, in a pair of running shoes. I would shoes. be a barefoot runner, I think, sweetie. Yeah, you can see her the, the Vibrams. I can see her in those. I can see, yeah, I can see that the Vibram thing. But the, I don't know. I'm I'm open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One step at a time, Julie. I know. No, it, it would, would, just, be, it would really, absolutely be the most hilarious thing ever if you like started training and you were like, I'm going riding with Lisa. I'd be like, What <laughs> you, is going on? It would, that would not be good for our marriage. I know. <laughs> That would create some like, new yeah, you were like, challenges. You right can't there. train today, babe, because I'm, Sorry. I'm training with Lisa. We're going out we're for eight going, hours. Yeah, we got an eight-hour ride. <laughs> got to go. See you later. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Trying to work it all in. No, uh, I don't. I really don't. Um, I'm doing threshold intervals. <laughs> <laughs> Julie has her own thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Everyone's uh, different. I don't think so. Right? But I don't know. Well, I might try I'll it. give you a swim lesson if you want. That would be amazing. We, let's do that. Definitely. All right. It's yeah. time I learned how to swim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At this beautiful pool. <laughs> Get only her been in. married for 14 years. We only, oh. Honey, we've, we've oh, been together. What's going on? Whoops. Ooh. Oh, I like that. It's like a little interim. No, what happened? That's the... I guess that's my that's key the, to go. That's a Rich and Julie's... But they've been married for 14 oh, years. Using, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I, like I don't that. think that will. Uh, that's I the, like that. That's the outro that was left over from the last episode. Actually, I think when we when we do this, you won't hear that. But I like it. Anyway. Actually, you should make yeah. sure they hear it. Well, that was when the last. <laughs> I guess that's when the last episode ended, and yeah. I forgot to take that out to create this. It's episode. cool. I love I'm that an audio genius. <laughs> we're we're gonna get you some. We're getting rich some audio assistance. Yeah. So that he can do more podcasts. Yeah, actually, I need a. I'm looking for a podcast producer, somebody with solid uh, 
audio chops who's in the Los Angeles area who wants to come and be a part of this little pirate ship that's right <laughs> that we're growing here so if there's anybody out there who's listening who's who's interested um you can uh, get in touch with me on twitter or by sending an email through my website at richroll.com because we're we're trying to create the foundation to grow this into something bigger and eventually um create a network of shows too so there's a lot that's of right. upside opportunity and yeah and i got a to- show coming up What's that? I Your show. It. Yeah. Yeah. So Beyond the Kale. No. <laughs> I can't. I'm there. I'm gonna have to change the name now. No, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's divine through line. But Beyond the Kale is pretty good. <laughs> that is pretty good, actually. I, I think that captures uh, we better grab that. Because you are beyond the pale anyway. So <laughs> That's funny. Right. But anyway, so no, honey, we haven't been married fourteen years. No, we've, we've been married been for Ten, ten, is it going to be 10? Coming up on 11? Coming up? No, July, coming up on 10. July 12th. No, is it 11? No, I think it's 10. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 10. You don't know? We don't know. Shame on you. Every day is like the first date with you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every day is a honeymoon. That's Every day. definitely beyond the kill. That statement. <laughs> All right. No, but we've been together. This is devolving. 14 so years, we'll, just to be yeah, clear. Let's wrap it up. Okay. We're done. Wait, does Lisa have anything else well, she'd like to add? I'm going to get into that. Okay. So you're so <laughs> proprietary with your podcast. So thanks for being here, Lisa. No, thanks for having me. So if people want to find out more about the wonderful, beautiful Lisa Fallon Mendel, you can go to wholebodybeautiful.com. That's the main way, right? Right. That's my website. On, mm-hmm. yeah, it's your website. You're also on Facebook. Facebook yep. and Twitter. Is it Whole Body Beautiful on Facebook or just your name? Oh, yeah. Lisa Matt Fallon Mendel okay. on uh, Facebook. Cool. And, you're, and you, you occasionally tweet. Yeah. You're not afraid of Twitter. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to get that Twitter. You're good at that, uh, you know. I'm the early adopter. Yeah, I do more of a long or bloggers and photos and recipes and talking. And are I can't, on, I can't speak that long. <laughs> they give me a cap on Twitter. Are you on Instagram? Yeah. Oh, you're there. Yeah, whole body I'm gonna, beautiful. I'm follow you on Instagram. Yeah, right, cool. got some good good shots. Right on. And are you taking new clients now? Like, if somebody's interested in speaking to you or learning more about what you're yeah. doing, give me. They can look at my website, see what I'm about, and send me a, a message on that. We can talk. All right. Yeah. Cool. All right. I think we did it. Yeah. Thanks. Thank yeah. you. How do you feel? Good. We get it all out. Anything else we didn't? Any, uh, we could just keep going. I don't know. Lots of stuff. <laughs> we'll have to do it we'll again. We just keep going. Yeah, we'll yeah, come back. We'll have you back. We'll do so. it again after Lisa coaches me in my first triathlon. Yeah, yeah that'll be We're good. We're going to get her on a, a super sprint. A web series around that. <laughs> <laughs> that would not that, be good. We, should, we could put that one up on Funny or Die. Yeah. What if it's not funny? <laughs> Well, then it'll die. (laughs) Okay, sounds good. All right. Thanks, Rich Roll. Thank you for being here. You're an inspiration. You're awesome. Thanks Thanks for doing this. Lucky and happy to have you in our life. Absolutely. Me too. And we got to go get that swim in soon. Yes. So we're waiting. I know. Well, I'm not going to wait. I'm just going to bring it. Well, I've been flaky. So it's time for me to commit. 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 All right. We're out of here. All right. Thanks, everybody. We're back soon with more episodes coming at you. I'm going back to New York um, pretty soon, and I'm lining up some cool guests uh, for my visit there. Oh, actually, you know, I just had some emails today with – I tweeted the other day. I don't know if you saw this. There's this one public school in the Bronx 
that uh, is the first school to institute a vegetarian school lunch. Right. That's awesome. And, yeah, I read about that. Um, I've been emailing back and forth with the teacher there, uh, mm. and I'm going to try to get him on the podcast. And he's going to—he's trying to—he had to get clearance from the school system or whatever to come and talk about it. But I think that that's that's amazing, amazing. Yeah. So hopefully, I'm going to sit down with him and learn more about how they made that happen because the school lunch thing, like I said, that's that's a huge thing that we all need to. Pay attention. Well, that's why I pack my in case lunch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. That's it. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you. All right. All right, everybody. Talk to you soon. Peace. Peace. Plants. Plants.